Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 90 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I hope this episode finds you well, and I thank you for giving me some of your time today. What's on the agenda for today? Well, last week I discussed Houston, we have a problem, and how it's incorrectly said. It got me thinking about other sayings we say wrong, which I have explored before. I went over some improperly phrased phrases back in episode 36, and I really enjoyed doing that one. Thankfully, there are plenty more incorrect idioms out there, so I'm going to do some more today. Side note, have you checked out the merch store yet? It's got designs I made for the show and other designs from other creators that I think you'd like. You can support the show while also supporting other creators. I put a link in the show notes. Okay, enough of that. Let's move on to exploring the edited etymology of today's phrases and their origins, history, and more. Before we get to the sayings, let me remind you of what an eggcorn is. Spelled E-G-G-C-O-R-N, this word describes a word or phrase that is misspoken because it sounds like the original word or phrase. This is important because eggcorns are the main cause for many misspoken sayings. Now, our first saying for the day is a dog-eat-dog world, which means that competition is tough for work, sports, and the like. This one is sometimes said as doggy-dog world, which, yes, isn't right, but technically dog-eat-dog world isn't the original usage either. Let's go back to the beginning of this one and work our way forward. Marcus Vero was an ancient Roman scholar and writer. I'm not exactly sure when he wrote what I'm about to share with you, but he lived from 116 BC to 27 BC, so it had to be sometime between those years. Anywho, what he wrote was this quote, Canis caninim non es, end quote. This translates to dog doesn't eat dog. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, this saying was in use as dog eat dog by the late 18th century, as it was used on August 5, 1794 as the headline for an article in the Gazette of the United States an early American bi-weekly partisan newspaper. So how did it become misconstrued as Doggy Dog World? It was thanks to Snoop Doggy Dog, the singer, actor, and producer. His debut album, Doggy Style, was recorded in 1993 and included a track called Doggy Dog World. The popular song put the acorn into people's ears and the saying has pretty much had two versions ever since. Now, let's get intensive. For all intents and purposes means in all ways, and is sometimes misspoken as for all intensive purposes. This eggcorn makes sense, as intensive purposes does sound a lot like intents and purposes. However, if we look at the original saying, it's easy to see that intensive is not the right word for this phrase. Henry VIII issued an Act of Parliament in 1546 
which included, quote, to all intents, constructions, and purposes, end quote. No one seems to know exactly when this saying got messed up verbally, but it had to be by the late 19th century, as we find it used improperly in a May 1870 article of the Fort Wayne Daily Gazette, an Indiana newspaper. It included, quote, He has never had a representative in Congress, nor in the state legislature, nor in any municipal office, and to all intensive purposes, politically speaking, he might have well have been dead. End quote. There's not really anything else to this one. It just fell victim to the curse of eggcorns. Let's move on. This next one is definitely a saying I have been using incorrectly. On tender hooks describes a situation or person that is tense, uneasy, anxious, strained, stressful, etc. And when you look at the actual saying, it makes sense why. The saying is really on tenter hooks, spelled T-E-N-T-E-R-H-O-O-K-S. A tenter is a large wooden frame used for processing woolen cloth in old-timey times. Since at least the 14th century, people called fullers or tuckers would clean cloth in a mill, which meant the cloth needed to be dried. To keep the cloth from shrinking, they would use curved nails, which looked like hooks, to attach the cloth to the tenter, which got its name from the Latin word tender, which means to stretch. Since it stretches out the cloth, being on tenter hooks became a way to say stretched thin, which can also mean stressed, anxious, tense, etc. John Ford, an English playwright and poet, published a play called Broken Heart in 1633, and in it he included this line, quote, Passion, O oh, be contained, my very heartstrings are on the tenters. End quote. Then, in 1690, we find it in the General History of Europe, a periodical about European history. It had in it this quote, The mischief is, they will not meet again these two years, so that all business must hang upon the tenterhooks till then. End quote. From then on, the saying continued to be used, but due to people misspelling and misspeaking tenter as tender, we ended up with the incorrect version that many people use today. Now let's jive. Here is another one that I've been saying wrong, toppers. To jive with means to get along with, except that it actually doesn't. The actual saying is jibe with, spelled J-I-B-E, not J-I-V-E. Now, technically, to jive with is a saying all of its own as it would mean to dance with someone. But since many people use it in place of jibe with, we still have a misspoken saying on our hands. Jibe means agree or fit, and while its exact origin is unknown, there are two main theories. One is that it is a figurative version of jib, having to do with adjusting sails and sailing. The Oxford English Dictionary says it could be a phonetic variant of chime being a way to say chime in with and to be in harmony. To figure this one out, we really need to look at another word altogether, the word jibe, which I know sounds just like jibe, but this time it's spelled G-I-B-E. The Oxford English Dictionary defines the word as to speak sneeringly, 
to utter taunts, to jeer, flout, and scoff. English dramatist Robert Greene wrote the play The Comical History of Alphonsus, King of Aragon, around the year 1590, and included, quote, You shall perceive Medea did not jibe, end quote. He spelled it the G-I-B-E way. By the 17th century, jibe, spelled both as G-I-B-E and G-Y-B-E, was being used as a nautical term. By the 18th century, the G-I-B-E version was being used to mean in harmony with. Now, as for the word jive, it doesn't really come into use until the early 20th century. It was a popular slang word in the United States during the 1920s, and is defined by the Oxford English Dictionary as to mislead, deceive or kid, and talk or conversation that is misleading, untrue, empty, or pretentious. Hence, anything false, worthless, or unpleasant. In 1928, we find it in the title of influential musician Louis Armstrong's record, Don't Jive Me. Because of this, jive also became almost synonymous with jazz, and gained its musical connection. And due to the similar sounds between jive and jive, the saying got mixed up. Now, let's look at a look-alike. Toppers, this is yet another saying I've been using wrong. If someone is the spitting image of someone, they look just like them. Except they aren't, because the real saying is spit and image. The two main theories for where this came from is a 17th century dictionary or the Bible. If it is indeed biblical, then it's referring to when God created Adam. However, if it's from the dictionary, then it's from Randall Cotgrave, an English lexicographer who published A Dictionary of the French and English Tongues in 1611. Here's the English translation part because I can say it much easier. Quote, he resembled him an eerie part. He was as like him as if he had been spit out of his mouth. End quote. Now, some people say that this saying has actually come from the term splitting image, referring to the resemblance of two pieces of wood split from the same piece. However, this term didn't come into use until the early 20th century, so it's much younger than either of the two possible spit and image origins. Even if you don't count the Bible or the dictionary as possible origins, Irish dramatist George Farquhar used this in a play called Love and a Bottle in 1689. Quote, Poor child, he's as like his own data as if he were spit out of his mouth. End quote. Also, in 1825, the Oxford English Dictionary defined the dead spit as a speaking likeness of. So I think we can safely say that this saying is related to spit, not split wood. Most likely, this saying started being used incorrectly around the late 19th century, as we find it used in 1886 by Hall Caine, a British novelist and poet, in his work, A Son of Hagar. He wrote, quote, Blessed if you don't look, the spitting image of a friend of mine. End quote. In 1901, the Oxford English Dictionary listed spitting image as an alteration of spitten, spelled S-P-I-T-T-E-N, meaning image or picture. So, by the turn of the 20th century, this saying was good and mixed up. And with that, it's time for today's 
Familiar quotation. Toppers, today's familiar quotation is from Donald Hicks. Here's what he had to say about mistakes. Quote, To make mistakes or be wrong is human. To admit those mistakes shows you have the ability to learn and are growing wiser. End quote. Thank you, Mr. Hicks, for giving us today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers, it's time for today's For Better or For Words, Love Advice from Old Timey Times. Remember that this advice is over a hundred years old, and I'm sharing it for entertainment purposes only. Now, let's hear from the ladies first. Don't quarrel with your husband. Remember, it takes two to make a quarrel. Don't you be one of them. Lovers' quarrels may be all very well, but matrimonial doses are apt to leave a bitter flavor behind. The quarrels of spouses are not always the renewal of love. And now for the men. Don't scowl or look severe. Cultivate a pleasant expression if nature hasn't blessed you with one. All right, toppers, that's going to do it for episode 90. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnofphrases.com, to find out information about the show's social media, for details about the music I use in the show, and much more. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, speak carefully. Toodaloo! Let me rephrase. And is sometimes misspoken for... Nope. To keep the cloth from shrinking, they would use curved nail. Thank you, Kelly. Untrue, empty, or pretentious. Mm-mm-mm.